Uh, good morning, good afternoon and good evening wherever you are joining us from around the world as well. Welcome to the first uh, Advisor Industry Leaders Panel of 2021 uh, with the title Agency Perspectives on the Future of International Student Recruitment. Uh, we're delighted that this event is sponsored by Queen's University School of English in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. Um, the Queen's University School of English is situated in the beautiful and historic city of Kingston, Ontario, Canada, along the northwestern shores of Lake Ontario. Along with its grand 19th century limestone buildings, beautiful waterfront landscape and world-class cuisine, Kingston is home to one of Canada's most beloved and acclaimed schools, Queen's University. The safety, ease of access, strong sense of community and expert instruction make the Queen's University School of English an ideal place to learn, explore and create connections and opportunities that will last a lifetime. Connect with them on Advisor today to learn more about how they can give your students the experience of a lifetime. I'm now able to welcome our guests and I'm very thankful for this group of panellists and we're, we're so lucky to have you joining us here today. And I'm, I'm joined here by Maura Leon, from direct, who is the director of uh, Yagizi Travel and the president of Belta. Uh, Pascal Carey, who's the manager of language and travel and study experience in Belgium, who's the president of Abelio, the Belgian National Association of Agents. I'm also joined by Sylvia Diaz-Kipo, who is the general manager of Language Kingdom in Spain. I'm also joined by the CXO of GroPro, Goico Yobet, um, who's joining us today from Costa Rica, but is based in Spain. And I'm also joined by the Deputy Director of Mundo Joven, Max Ortega, as well. Um, as with all our industry discussions and our panel discussions, I will raise a topic and our group are going to discuss that and, and, and bring their views on in here. Um, and I suppose the first one is quite an open sort of topic. How are things in your markets? Um, what has been the big changes for you in the past year in terms of uh, your operations and uh, maybe in terms of student desire to travel? And also I'm interested to hear how things have maybe possibly changed uh, with your relationship with schools as well. Um, I am going to hand over to my panellists to, to start discussing that. Who wants to start? <laughs> you go. <laughs> Michael, you spoke first. So you can start. Of course I have no, no, no issues with start talking. For us, like when, when all this happened, it, it was absolutely insane. It was dramatic. Suddenly borders start to close, COVID all over the place. We had to let go lots of people in our company that we had quite a big company already. And it was really, really hard to do so. And after the shock, we had to think, okay, when is this finishing? Because the biggest issue, at least for us, was the uncertainty of when is, till when is this gonna, 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 when I keep on, how much life have we got left until we're out, or out of cash? Are students going to still just want to still travel even though we are in the middle of a, of a pandemic? And referring to your second question, we started to talk a lot with our preferred partners from GrowPro. Our, our policies is to, we work with little schools, but big volume. So we haven't got like all the students scattered in different schools. In the different destinations we've got, we like to work with little schools, but big volume. So it was like, hey, what's going on? And they had really the same sense of us. And I think that all this brought us like closer to our partners, closer to the schools saying, whoa, we need to work together if we want to overcome this, because this is for long and this is going to be tight. And 
for example, the biggest issue I want to raise, and if there's lots of schools here, they will know, the biggest issue was refunds. Each time I hear the word refund, I start to itch myself because it, it's, it was one of the biggest, the biggest things we've got because still we are selling. We are selling at a 50% of capacity, but what you sell, you don't know if the student's going to travel, if the student's going to ask you for a refund, and it's been very, very difficult in terms of cash flow. But for us, in our case, with our preferred partners, we became one. Yeah, I want to add to what Goiko says that I think in the beginning it was the same for everybody in the world. It was a big impact in our businesses. And uh, in the beginning, we all thought, oh, in three months, maybe one semester, things are going to come back. And it didn't happen. And uh, it, the only thing that I am sure that it, we are facing the same situation as everybody else in the world. And, and being together with our partners was a key. It has been a key thing for everybody else. It's like how we can support each other, how we can trust. So the trust-trust relationship is a very strong part of our business. Uh, it has always been, but I think it's even more now, you know, because you, we depend on the schools and the schools depend on us uh, on, in recruiting the students. So I think it's uh, even more important, this relationship. So I just wanted to add that to what Goiko said. Yeah, I absolutely agree with, uh, with you. In our case, we also get got closer to, to our main partners. And um, well, uh, I agree with Goiko about the refunds. Every time I hear that, that word, it's like, I want to go back to March, April, uh, when at the beginning we thought, don't worry, don't worry. We don't, well, we, we will move our students for September or June and they will travel. And then we had another shock when we realized our students will not travel in 2020. Are, I don't know if they will travel in 2021. So at first it was a shock. And then we had another shock when we realized this was not going to be for two months, three months. We, we realized it, this is going to last for, for, for a bit longer. So then there we started to talk to our main partners, main schools, and, and yeah, we got closer because we are worried. We want them to survive as well as we want us to survive. So. I think that that is also very important that both agents and schools we take care of, of, of each other because we need them and they need us. So we, we definitely learned uh, new survival skills. I think we are all doing an, another job uh, today than, than the one we used to do. Uh, we negotiate bank loans. Uh, we. Uh, had to manage a crisis communication. We had to repatriate uh, a lot of our clients at the beginning of the crisis. Uh, we learned to negotiate or try to get uh, government help. So all skills that uh, we didn't have before. So hopefully uh, after the pandemic, uh, armed with all these new skills, uh, we will get out stronger from this crisis. Yeah, just, just to add in a, a local perspective from Mexico, um, we, we have obviously seen demand plummet, uh, as probably all markets have seen. But it's surprising to see that there is still demand. And there's still some students that want to travel um, without knowing exactly when, but they, they're willing to postpone certain dates. And to um, if, if we manage to have a very close communication with our partners and with our clients, 
without students. Um, the understanding seems to be prolonged. And it's surprising for us in Mexico, at least, where we literally can't travel to Europe, all borders with Mexicans are closed. Uh, North America, which is another main destination, Canada and the US, is really complicated because of visas and now uh, PCR and, and confinement issues. Um, so Mexicans can only really travel in Mexico and to Latin America. And there's still students wanting to travel abroad uh, to study, to grow, and, and to bet on their future without, regardless of, of, of the uncertainty of the, of the time and dates. I would like to add one, one quick thing, at least for in our case. My company has always been uh, onshore more than offshore. We've been always present in Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Ireland, Malta. And I always say the same. We became a, co a company that was giving a, a huge experience to the students onshore events, workshops, and we became a support company because all the students that come and started asking you, hey, my money, I want my refund. If you give all the full refunds first day, you go bankrupt, that's a, that's a fact. If schools give you all the money the same day of all the refunds, they go bankrupt, the industry clashes, and we all lose our money, students, schools, and, and agents. And for us, it was that finding the equilibrium between maintaining a good name for GrowPro, being in the side of the students, but not going bankrupt. So it's been like a very, very difficult situation. And from day one, we said first, as Pascal said, okay, let's go to the banks to get money because we, we need this money. And now we become in a support company. Next two months, all the people that were doing experience will we, we'll reinvent it to uh, support. And that's why Pascal said that I agree with you 100%. Our job changed from one day to another, and we had to adapt very quickly. If not, you were you are dead. That's really interesting. Obviously, from from an advisor perspective as well, we kind of see both sides of the story as well. And that school agent ecosystem that so many people have been talking about lately, I think it's really focused on the fact that we need each other. So you know, schools can't survive. Um, just on their own without the support of the, the partner agencies, but likewise agencies can't survive without the school still being there and being able to, to you know, accept the students and, and, and welcome the students as well. Um, with that sort of in mind, um, one of the things that's come up in some of our previous webinars has been about that relationship with the schools and agencies and, and the current sort of system that we use and, and, and how the business works as well. Um, do you guys think that it's a, a sustainable model for the future? Do you think things are going to have to change as we come out of the pandemic and, and, and go to look to the future? Um, what's your kind of thoughts on that? Oh no, if you want to start with this one again, okay, quickly, I will be fast. For me, of course, look, I received an email two days ago of a school, of course, I'm not going to mention the name, that they were offering us 50% offering us commission and they didn't even know us or anything. And I was thinking, if you give me 50% commission, you're going to be dead in four months. It's impossible to pay your teachers. If This is going to maybe going against agencies, but I, I believe in the equilibrium between agents and schools. You cannot pay every single guy you want a 40%, 38% plus, plus them bonuses because we need to find a way. We need to, to, to live both of us. And if it's not a win-win situation, at the end, it will... Some of I think we've lost Goiko for a second. He was, yeah. was mid-flow as well. Um, <laughs> 
Maybe maybe I can continue what Goiko was saying. Yeah. I th I think you know what happened actually brought some uh, new uh, new way of working together. Maybe for the schools to reflect that they cannot only give uh, you know that amount of because of course some schools were giving that amount of commission to a, a small number of uh, partners as agents. Maybe now is the time where there is a balance between this business so they can have good partners in every country in a way that they can sustain their own schools. And the schools have to also learn a lesson in the terms that they cannot do anything just to get students because what we are looking for is a long-term way of sending students. So the agents have to survive for many years to be able to send students and so do the schools. They need to survive for a long, because how can I sell a program for 2023? That's what is happening now. People asking for uh, 2023. I have to trust that the school I'm sending the students are, is going to be there in 2023. So, uh, and, and I think uh, we have to have a way of working that we can sustain in a positive way, uh, both sides of the business. So the students don't get um, hurt because uh, what I see now is that the clients are coming back to us as agents uh, uh, because we are reliable people to help them solve a situation where they cannot travel. So we are giving them advice where to go, how to go, when to go, when to pay. And you cannot get this information. You're going to talk about this later on from the internet. You need someone to talk to. <laughs> So you need someone to advise you what's best to be done. So that's why we need to join forces, you know, platforms, schools, and, and agents. So we are all going to be successful. Absolutely. I think we should um, keep an eye on that idea of the doubt that COVID created about, uh, is that school going to be open in 2022? Because a year ago, I was sure the schools I was sending my students to, they were going to be open. I, I've never had that thought, but now, and it also happens to families, clients, um, they, I think the position of the agent has become of an advisor of a person who is going to be here, well, in your country to say, don't worry, the school is going to be open, everything is going to be right, if something happens. Uh, so there is, we need to, get uh, confidence from our clients now too. And we need to work in the relationships with the schools to, to maintain confidence because there was a moment there because here in Spain, we had to give the money back to families because it was, well, uh, all the agencies, we need to give the money back. And we didn't get this, the money from the schools. So there was a difficult moment there where our clients were asking the money and some schools weren't given the money back. So yeah, some confidence was their damage. So we need to work on that back. Well, some others we won't uh, recover confidence, but I think it's going to be a, a huge job doing that. And when you send a group of students or one student to school, you need to know that school is going to be open. They're going to be 100% there. So, and I think this is going to be not as easy as it may, it may appear. Interesting. Interesting. On, on that front, I'm just going to jump in here quickly because this is, of course, an interactive panel as well. And we're going to run a poll quickly for our panelists. Um, and the poll is going to be, and, and this is 
partly, you know, kind of anecdotal information um, that we've been speaking about at the moment. But um, the, the poll we're going to launch is, have you increased or decreased the number of partners you work with over the past 12 months? So I'm just going to launch this poll and we'll see what results come in as our panelists continue to, to discuss. Um, I would definitely say that uh, I think we are all becoming more selective to bounce back on what Sylvia said. Uh, today, the difficulty, I mean, the only certainty we have is actually uncertainty. Uh, where, how, with whom? With which school uh, shall we work? Which school will still be uh, standing in six month time? I don't know the answer. Uh, that, that is really the, the issue at the moment. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the products, the destinations and um, the, the programs that, that we can offer this year. This is really key uh, to, to start again to, to, or, or business. And just to add uh, on the previous question, I, I just wanted to say to all agents uh, participating in this panel, I think uh, you are heroes. We are heroes. Because what we have uh, gone through uh, during the last year is, is absolutely incredible. The support that we give day and night, seven days out of seven days, is absolutely incredible. You should be proud of yourself. You should be proud of your work. And, and this is, I think, uh, uh, the, the very reason why agencies are uh, key uh, in this uh, market. We are essential. Uh, schools need us. And I, I believe that uh, there will be more survivors among agencies than among schools. For us, for us, definitely, we work with very little providers and big volume, as we said, like since five years ago or four, we decided that it's nothing to be happy about working with 1,000 schools. We like to pick our schools, like we do like a huge, huge, huge audit and who are we working with. If you give good big volume to a school, you're always going to split with, with the owner. They're going to always have you in account. And for us, it's been a game changer being big volume, little schools, when you've got issues, you can change them. If you've got a school that sends you two, if you send two enrollments a year to a school, that's nothing. And I've got schools that send them 40, 30 students a month with those guys, then you can work together and you can plan together and you can see what's best. So for us, definitely big volume, small numbers of schools. Sometimes I lose students, I promise. There's no, I want this school, so I don't work with that school. No, but if you want, because at the end, it's like rejection is the key of recognition. And if, if I work with every single body, my processes are not good. Uh, I don't work well with their administration team. And that reflects in the student. And that's our strategy. I hope schools don't kill me, but the ones I work with are happy. And we're happy with them. So that's our point of view from GrowPro. We also have a, a quite used to have a huge volume because we had lots of short stay. And we had not many schools. We didn't work with many schools. We used to work with the same schools. But at that point in March, April, I wanted to save my business and they wanted to save their business. So there was a moment there where I need to give the money back to my students and they needed to, to rescue their school. So there was a point there that everybody was fighting for to save their, their business. And that's obvious and well, I, I could find a solution with some of them, and not with all of them. I think that's a good point, Sylvia. Um, 
I think we're still at the, that point where everybody's trying to save their business because it's so uncertain, the, 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 the near and, and, and further future. But I think it's a good point that we should start looking towards um, a, a building a, a stronger community and a stronger industry. We were talking with um, Goiko and, and Maura and Ben earlier um, in the week that one of the main objectives of this panel and, and other panels and gatherings of this of the industry should be to unite and be stronger as an industry and try to minimize those threats where the industry seems to be more divided between schools and agents and there seems to be some sort of rivalry going on where i saw a comment in the chat earlier i think it was um somebody called maite um was saying that maybe the schools are um are proposing the the name of the game right they're, they're doing the, the rules of the game. And I think it should be balanced. Maybe before the crisis, it was definitely a balance um, in, the, in, the, um, in the value chain. Um, the students saw the value in the agency and definitely saw the value in the school, of course. And, and now it's beginning to seem through the crisis that people are starting to look to themselves, and, um, which is logical. But I think we should move past that and, and try to regain that balance in the industry where where we all see the value in our partners and we see the value in our students and we see the, uh, the value in ourselves. I think, I think that's a really good point you raised there, Max, as well, in terms of that balance, because I think that's one of the things sometimes we hear from a school perspective as well, is that they feel that it's still a little imbalanced. Um, you know, if, if, if you speak to your, your average uh, school, they'll, you know, say that, well, they have to pay marketing contributions, they're paying out commissions, they're paying out, you know, uh, you know the money to go and travel and, and visit agencies and things, and they don't always see the other side of the coin as well. And I think that's something from both sides. And I, I wonder, has the pandemic possibly led you to having more open conversations with your partners in that respect as well? I certainly feel sometimes as a, when I was at school, uh, I would always be nervous sometimes to bring up certain topics with agencies in case it meant, oh no, we get a, a reduction in students. Do you think the pandemic has maybe allowed us to be a bit more open in those conversations and discuss with people actually the realities of the situation because we're all now in, in a much tougher place in the industry? But, you know, I want to say that I think the, the, the ones that have, a, you know, start asking for things are the, the ones that maybe the schools think they are the strongest ones because they ask for everything. Uh, and, and so that's when you say, okay, let, let me see how am I doing business in, in, in that market? Like in Brazil, uh, it's a very aggressive market, lots and lots and lots of agencies. And uh, we have a, a, an association, which I uh, happen to be the president, and it, it's been in the market for 30 years. But then when you see uh, schools are having uh, partnerships with anybody from, from the market, and then they complain uh, they're not being paid, and then they call this. So I, I think somebody has to do the homework. If you have a I know some, maybe Ben will talk about it. If you have an association in a country where they kind of organize the market, where they have a voice, where they have a code of ethics, it's half the way for you, for us, to know with whom we should work. Even for us as agents, we call the association and say, listen, I need a partner. Like today, I got two. Uh, I need a partner in the UK, a boarding school for a summer camp. I call the association because then they might have a contact or the members of the association. So I think it's we, we have to, to do a homework and say, how am I working? Am I asking too much for my partners? 
uh, as you said, maybe during the COVID, if you have the guts to do this, maybe you do, but everybody's kind of dying in the hospital and you're gonna ask for money for this and that, maybe you're gonna say, listen, we can use our social media. Would you like to be with us in our social media? It's just, just a little investment and so on. Because that's the way it is. You don't need to do a super investment, but maybe it's the time that we look uh, how we are doing business and schools really should be faithful to the ones that are gonna be working for them in a proper way, in a balanced way. Okay, not to take the blood out of that school and then the school cannot survive. It's not good for anybody. It's not good for the market. It's not good for the clients. It's not good for any country representing. Uh, because Maura, Maura, with no schools, where do we enroll students? I mean, if there is yeah. no schools, we can go and play a football match if you want, but we won't be able to do much more. And also, I think this goes like in two sides because as well, Right now, when all this, when, 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 when this happened, at the end, we saw the true faces of lots of schools, lots of agencies. That's a, a fact. And suddenly, for example, I was seeing a lot in Australia, it's one of my biggest markets, that suddenly small agents that were one person, they were, they were doing renewals and they were giving you free visa, $600. They were giving you as well, uh, free insurance. They were giving you, two t-shirts and I don't know, and, 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 and a bus, I don't know, a bus ticket, just to say something, but, and suddenly big companies that we invest in marketing, we invest in a visa department, in a finance department, we've got experience, we've got offices and everything. We cannot play that game and, and it's very difficult and it's like a really thin line. How do you get to, as a school, to bring on board new agents? We have to be open to new players. That's good for everybody. But at the end, what are like, those metrics we see in order to say, hey, you can become an agent or you cannot. So it's, it's difficult. I'm not saying it's, it's something easy, but schools have also to help us there to try and pull up this quality as per agents, because if they don't give you an agreement, they cannot sell. And if they cannot sell, they cannot do dodgy stuff. And now, right now, you see lots of dodgy stuff going in the industry because everybody wanted the money. And in, in some point, I understand that if we are bigger agencies, it's impossible for us to play that game. Yeah, I think you raise a very interesting point there, Goiko, definitely. Um, just quickly, I'm going to give the results. We had 70% of people vote, so I, I stopped the poll. Um, and interestingly enough, 56% of people have said they have more partners since the start of the pandemic to the 44% that said they now have less, which is quite an interesting thing because it, it shows that people are still looking to maybe diversify and grow their businesses as well. But that may be part of the, the market trend of people needing to adapt and change as well. But I think to go back to the point you were mentioning there, Goiko, it kind of leads on to, to my next poll as well, because obviously depending on the market that the school is in, they have different types of criteria for recruiting agencies and for signing those agreements. Certainly my main experience is in the UK. Um, where we have the British Council accreditation for, for most schools. And you normally have to have a minimum of two references from other British Council accredited schools for your agencies then. Now, do you guys as, as agencies think there would maybe be space somewhere in the market then for a global um, sort of agency uh, accreditation? Um, because one of the things I see is that if you have, you know, if you're a school that, that you know, look at a chain school that has schools in Canada, USA uh, and the UK, you essentially have three different types of 
um, sort of accreditation, you have to keep happy in that sense. So do you think there's maybe space for uh, a global accreditation? If there was, how would you kind of see that playing out? Um, and I'm going to start our second poll, which this might be more geared towards some of the, the schools, but I'm really interested to hear from agents as well. Uh, I'm going to ask the, the, the attendees the same question um, in terms of an accreditation for agents. Um, maybe I'll, I'll pass that one to, to Pascal, first of all. I think there are already many accreditations uh, around, uh, either accreditations by uh, governments, accreditations by you know, various bodies, uh, by uh, schools associations and so on. So I'm, I'm not really in, in favor of a new uh, accreditation, which would be very difficult to put in place, uh, taking into account the differences uh, you know, in all the markets. Some, some markets, if you want to do a job, you need a, a travel agency a license. In other markets, you don't need one. So I, I think you know it's it's uh, quite quite difficult. But I, I would, like you said, Ben, uh, I like the idea of the references, and I think a school ought to ask uh, a minimum of two or three references uh, when when uh, an agency is contacting them to, to work with them. I think that's probably the best way uh, to check uh, the, the the reputation. And there are, I think, other ways as well to check the reputation of an agency. Uh, is the agency a member of a national association? Yes or no. Is an agency, as an agency, got a, a travel agency uh, license? Yes or no. So, yes. I think I would agree. With, oh, sorry, Silvia. Were you going to say something? The thing is, for example, here in Spain, we have our association as process, which is, well, I think it should be a recognition, a recognition but uh, we also have lots and lots of illegal agents or a someone who decides to make a group of 30 students and send them to the UK, Ireland, wherever. So I think there should be kind of accreditation or because sometimes references, if you are new in the business and you're doing well, you don't have references. And I'm open to new agents or new agencies, new schools. I think, uh, well, that makes our market richer. But I think we will need a kind of accreditation because some schools they take anybody sending kids there and then your name the name of the agency the, the legal agency uh can get damaged i had it on my own village where i'm i i one of the academies i have i used to send a group of students from there and a lady from that village she decided to send the students to that school everything went wrong and obviously everybody thought i was the same as that lady and she was doing illegal, illegally. So there should be something to do to make the difference uh, remarkable to, to our clients. Yeah, I agree. I think what I was going to say is that if we have a global accreditation, which I agree with Pascal, it seems a bit um, complicated to, to say install. But um, I think if we if we see our industry as a as a lagging somewhat behind the, the travel industry to say for, by a few years and we see our trends um, in, in, in the seem to mimic the trends of the travel industry. Um, there is like the YATA as Pascal was saying and, and the YATA um, if we apply the same thing in of the IATA to, to the educational industry it has to be knowing what the objective of this accreditation is. Is it good for the schools or is it good for the agents? Is it because the agents don't want certain competition? Or because the school wants to accredit a certain level of, of quality of their partners. I think there should be a, um, definitely um, a, an objective in mind. And if this is able to, to install in, as a global scale, it should be done. 
And if not, I don't think we should be scared of competition as a whole, but I do think we should be scared of competition that is not, um, not part of a, a trying to build an industry rather than affect the industry as a whole. Here, Max, there is like one, I think like the, one of the greatest issues for us is like the discounts. And the problem with the discounts is that school, schools give you an official price. Okay, that's, that's good. Okay, we understand. And if you, Max, do a 5%, I do a 7%. If I do a 7%, Mauro does an 8%. And at the end, if we cut all, the, all our commissions, at the end, that's, the student is going to know that as giving worse quality, worse advisors, uh, smaller departments of finance, of visa, everything. So at the end, the quality is going to go down. Maybe for the school, it's not an issue to discount because they're going to get their money yes or yes at the end. But in our cases, this is a, like a, a really big issue. And it's worse because when you get a freelancer, that's only one guy in his house working from home, paying his internet, he can discount up 20% of the commission and he can still make money. For us, no chance. We've got a huge overheads in order to give a good experience to the students. I'm not saying we are perfect and we do everything perfect. We commit errors, but we try to do act in good faith and act with some rules. So there is a, a good competition between us. If I lose that student with Mundo Joven because Mundo Joven gives a better quality than us, okay, that's life. But not because we are all discounting, discounting, discounting and giving 1 million things for free. I know where is the, where is the line? And once again, it's, it's a difficult conversation. I'm not saying it's something easy. Yeah, I, I wanted to say, I'm we, sorry. Uh, we, we shouldn't look to a price war. Go, go ahead, Mara. Yeah, no, no, I was going to say that we shouldn't be looking for a price war, you know, and the schools have to be aware with whom they work with. If their agents are working that way, that to gain uh, a client from the other agents, they're giving discounts in a, in, in, not in a proper way. So I think the schools have to help us also to be uh, working in a very positive way for the school because uh, if we deliver quality the student is coming back they, they are bringing their family and so on and that's where we, we we have to work to and the schools have to to also look after this this bad practices they shouldn't be looking for numbers because these people are having bad practices giving discount in the currency uh, doing things that you're not going to survive in the, in the long term as i said we have to look for the business in the long term having bad good practices and if as i agree if max get my student it's fine because i know max is a super quality uh, mundo hoven is a super quality agent so i'm fine with that <laughs> not all, all the time okay max <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, th I think one, what, one of the things here, and, and it's actually been raised in, in the chat and also in one of the, the, the questions as well, and it kind of is on these topics as well. Uh, Mikeon directed this question to Maura. Um, I know Mikeon very well, so hello, Mikeon. Um, but he, he said, how are the Brazilian agents thinking on schools offering crazy prices to promote? Do you believe they realise it's going down if the prices keep going low for a long period? And Daniel in the, the chat, uh, Daniel Ramos, has said, it's hard in the school industry. There's also some competition on this matter. Schools are lowering their prices too much and other schools cannot compete with them, making them closer, lower price until they cannot survive. Um, so in, in one sense, you could say a, a lot of the time it's a race to the bottom, really, with those discounts and those prices. Um, 
from your perspectives, do you think schools need to continue pricing and uh, pricing with these discounts, or do you think there could be a, a future whereby we look at? Because this was one of this is always one of my uh, sort of discussions with agencies that I had as well when I was working for schools was well, if I give you a discount, a bigger discount, that means that you're what you're earning at the end of the day is also going to reduce as well. So all we're doing is cutting everyone's margins by that point as well. So from that point of view, do you guys think schools should readdress? So should look at how they discount and, and kind of change that as well? From my very quick, from my point of view, the school sets the price. Speaks with the agents and sets a price for each market. It can change. The only thing I am asking, we compete with the same tools in the same markets. If, for example, Brazilian market students have or Spanish market, it's cheaper than Switzerland. Makes sense, of course. They are billionaires. It makes sense. Okay, doesn't matter. But let's have the same price. What I am really, really against is, first of all, if a school is doing a special discount to an agent, with and I and I and I get to know that, of course, that school it's out of my portfolio. That's hundred percent. That's the worst thing that can happen. But then it can happen also that the school gives us two hundred me, two hundred other the other agency, and the other agency discounts. I get proof. And I go to the school and I tell the school because at the end, when you've got these students that are shopping around, first of all, they are the ones that then give you the biggest pain in the ass. And that's, that's, that's a fact. So we try to pull out that quality. And if we say, no, 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 we're here to sell quality. You're going abroad for six months, two months. You really want quality. I mean, you're not buying a, a pencil. So that's for us. This is the biggest concern we have. And with the pandemic, it has gone crazy the amount of discount that has been in the industry. Crazy. Sorry, I get, I get a bit hot with this <laughs> I think I agree with Goiko that the worst thing that could happen in the industry is a, is a price war. It's, if it's a local or global price war. But I think um, what we could start doing is maybe dynamic pricing. Same, same example as before, following the footsteps of the travel industry. Dynamic pricing depending on, on the season. Um, we were just talking about so earlier in, in, in the company, trying to, the travel industry is trying to de-seasonalize uh, the industry as a, as a whole. And maybe um, if we do that also in the educational industry, try to de-seasonalize and have dynamic pricing, um, that, that might be a better thing. And then the, price, the discounts can only be uh, targeted for special seasons or special moments. And, and it'll be a marketing tool in the end, but not a competitive um, price war kind of thing. I agree with you on that. Um, well, I find very interesting what um, as Max has just said, uh, uh, having those special prices for, for low season where you don't have many students are there, you can try to, to get more students because obviously we know schools need to, to have students and that's why they, they make special offers or special prices. but. I, I absolutely agree. And, and at least in the same markets, the same countries, we should have more or less the same range because sometimes you find your one school has a price for you and then different one for other. And at the end, that makes a, a, a huge point. At least in Spain, pricing is, well, the first thing a client is going to look is pricing. Then obviously quality, your attention, and blah, 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 but price is, it's a key point. Let's compete in quality between us. Let's compete on who's giving the best experience, who's giving the best quality, who's giving the best advice. But from my point of view, and again, I am extremely happy with what Max says, 
dynamic pricing, the schools, but okay, if you send an email with a special, you send it to all your agents you work with and we compete with that price. I am happy. If you don't like it, don't sell that school, go for another one. But cutting commissions is for me, from my perspective, something different. Let's compete in quality and I'm happy to lose a student if you give him better quality. Okay, it's, it's fair. Very interesting, very interesting perspectives, guys. I know this is, for me, one of the great things about this is that we're having this open conversation. I think these are the sorts of topics that certainly from, from a school's perspective, sometimes we don't realize, you know, the, the opinions of the agencies and from the agency's perspective, maybe the schools are, are getting a chance here to, to say what they think as well. So I think this is really, really useful uh, so far. So thank you, first of all, everyone for, for all your input at the moment. Um, I'm going to move the topic slightly on slightly differently. Um, it has been mentioned a couple of times in the chat box at the moment about, about super agencies. Um, and things like that as well. And I suppose one of my the, the sort of points I'd like to discuss at the moment is in terms of how you guys see the future and, and where you think the dominant players will be, do you think it will be big master sort of recruitment agencies? Do you think it will be online agencies? Um, do you think schools re recruiting, you know, B2C-wise is going to be a, a danger as well? And what do you think the position will be of, of physical agencies and traditional businesses moving forward as we, as we come out of the pandemic as well? Okay. Can I? Okay. But for me, from my point of view, if schools do direct, uh, okay, okay, starting topic, but okay, from, from my point of view, if schools want to do direct, they are in their best of their interest. It's also in the best of their interest that at some point, if they start to fight with one student, because at the end, we compete between each other. When you start competing with a school and he wins two or three students, it's not the same when you lose a student to max than you lose it to whatever, whatever schools. As per the future, uh, in, from my point of view and, and my company, it's always been, we were born in onshore, we were born in Australia, we're always really, really, really present in, in, in the destination. We want to give that help to the student in the destination. And moreover, we've got other agents that we receive their students in the destination because of course, being in Australia, Canada, having offices all over the place, it's extremely expensive. So we are focused, that's our focus. We're gonna be there, we're gonna stay there. And we want to give all the service to the student once he lands in the, in the country. And we're working with subagents, lots and lots of them. And we are really happy to, re this, to receive all of their students. That's from my perspective, from my company. I don't know each other, what's their strategy? I'm not convinced. Sorry, yep. go ahead, Silvia. You first, please first. I think um, I have mixed feelings because I think for juniors, which is our biggest market, and especially short stay or summer courses, I still think parents and clients, they will need to come and see us. And also the schools we work with and we keep in touch with them uh, through the phone and they keep saying, we want to see you. Uh, we have been meeting them, even though they are not going to, to travel this year, but we, we, are, we keep our, our contact. But I think for adults, young adults, uh, they, they won't come to a, to a physical agent, agency anymore. They will look for it on the internet. They will ask you for prices. So what we need is being quick to give them the, our quotes, our prices, our, our, our information because they are going to look for the quickest, the, well, the quality, the price. So I think that for young adults and adults, 
that's going to be the, the key because they are not going, going to, to visit an agency. I agree. But I'll go after Pascal. I would say, uh, you know, it really depends on the source markets and the destinations uh, concerning the D2C. Uh, because there have always been, for instance, a lot of walk-ins, uh, you know, in Spain, uh, but when it comes to New Zealand, uh, I think there are very, very few walk-ins. So um, most of the bookings are actually uh, going through uh, travel agencies. And what, what I want to add, just to give you an example why uh, travel agents will remain and language travel agents will remain uh, a key uh, in this sector is, for instance, if you want to book via a European travel agency, well, if you are, sorry, booking via a European travel agency or a Japanese uh, travel agency, uh, you are actually, the client is protected uh, against uh, the agency's bankruptcy. If, you, if an, uh, a client books direct with the school, there is absolutely no protection. And I think the pandemic, what happens last year, just proved how important, uh, what, what our role was uh, during the, you know, the, the crisis. We really helped, we were there uh, to help our clients. And if... Uh, agencies were going bankrupt, the clients would not have lost money. And I think the clients now are very much aware of that. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah I think also the fact that um, there's the, the agencies have to, we have to prove ourselves worthy of giving this value to the schools because otherwise, they're, they're, if, if I put myself in the shoes of the school, um, there will be a reason for them to look for uh, direct sales, right? So agents, uh, we have to prove our worth in that sense. And if if the schools try to have a, a sales force just as big as m taking all of us just uh, at the moment, taking all of us having these this local experience and this local knowledge uh, all over the world, it would be hugely costly for, for all schools. So we have to prove our worth. Um, and I think selling online is definitely... Um, Part of the future and also the experience that the goiko for example in, in gropa is is offering is something radically different that we have to combine the the offline and the online the offline for the experience and the online for the efficiency and where advisor definitely is is helping with that is is how can we help the the efficiency of the process um and that will will definitely um increase the the value of the agency that's a lovely segue back that I was just about to make myself. So, Myra, please. <laughs> I was going to say someone said here, ah, if the agents are not uh, selling some of their products, uh, the school's products, the school should sell direct. Um, I, I think a partnership is more than this. Maybe you should get you know, uh, a conversation, a communication, say, hey, listen, why, what, why is it so difficult for you to sell um, our online courses? Maybe the market doesn't accept that much and so on, but I, I don't think it should be a war. Okay, if you're not doing this, I'm going to do on my own. But then you're, you know, you're not being a partner. You're just saying, okay, if, let me do it because you're not doing so i think at this point is not uh it, it uh, let's win this together as someone said oh it's this is not a perfect world uh I, but i think i have to think like this that we need to to really work together to find a solution because if it, we keep on fighting say if you don't do this i'm gonna do that we're not gonna get to any place you know because uh, the students uh, the uh, you know when everything goes smoothly is fantastic okay but when you have a problem, which is 
very common that we face problems like in Brazil. Every day we have something going on in terms of the borders being closed. Canada, Air Canada just canceled all the flights yesterday, the day before. So these people, they have to talk to someone besides the, the airline. They have to talk to us to help them postpone the trip. We have to talk to the school abroad and say, hey, can you take the student another date and so on. I, I cannot trust a partner that say, oh, you're not doing this, so I'm gonna do on my own. No, it's not, I, I, don't, I don't think it's, you know, that it's a solution to think like this. Of course, everybody has to win at this point, but how can we win working towards the same goal? Yeah, Ben, can I add one really quick thing that I'm seeing that people are talking about small agencies doing very good, very good job. And I want to make my point clear. I have nothing, nothing against small agencies appearing. I mean, I was one seven years ago that we were two friends starting our company and we were doing things well. We love the student. We were working for the student. We need new agents. Agents need new agents. So the market starts evolving. What I'm saying is small, dodgy, medium, dodgy, big, dodgy. The word dodgy next to agent. If the agencies are dodgy, this is bad for the industry, for schools, for other agents. Haven't you seen now in social media sometimes, for example, in these groups, Spanish people in Australia, when someone asks, any, does anyone recommend me an agency? People start to say, hey, do it by yourself, much better. Agencies don't have that good name. And I know that, and we all know this. No, because they only want to sell you something, they only want your money, blah, blah, blah. When we're giving a service, lots of times, and we get, we don't get paid by them. If they go directly to the school, they would pay exactly the same. And agents don't have that good name. And this is a fact. So what I'm trying is to take out of the equation, not the big, medium, small agencies, the dodgy ones. That's my point. So it's really, really clear. I, I, I totally get your point as well. And I think that, you know, from, from a school's perspective as well, schools work with a variety of different agents, whether it be sometimes one person operations that have sometimes been in business for, for five years, sometimes for five months, sometimes for 50 years. They also work with operations that are, are huge multinational companies sometimes as well. Um, and again, they take into that, that, that idea of the quality and that quality from a school's perspective ultimately comes from working with the agency. So it, it really comes down to what your working relationship is like and how you guys get on. You know, yes, if, I, I mean, certainly from my point of view, and I think from most schools' point of view, although I, I can't speak for everyone, but if an agent was, act, was acting dodgy, as you put it, um, although how we define that is something that, that is an interesting point to me, but if they're doing that, then it's up to the school to decide not to work with that agency. And they have to make the commercial decision to say, okay, I'm not gonna do that. And maybe that will make their other partners stronger in that respect and partnerships stronger if they do that. But I think a lot of the time the schools are very worried about, well, if this is a source of income and a source of students coming through and I cut that off, am I gonna make that up from the rest of my agencies as well? And I think that's quite a key part like, like for, from, from a school perspective to look at as well, which, which is quite interesting. Um, now, I'm going to just mention a couple of comments that have come in as well. We obviously had quite a few comments about the, the smaller agencies and things like that as well. Um, I also started another poll. Um, we've had about 50% of uh, attendees vote in this one as well, which was looking at what percentage of your business do you currently get from partner agents as well. And interestingly enough, around 50% of people say they get less than 50% of their business from partner agents. Um, now, that's quite a surprise to me, to be honest. Uh, I don't think I've worked at uh, a school, certainly, that, that or, or certainly a chain school organization that I've worked in, that's had less than kind of 
70 percent um it sort of agency business so that's that's quite a surprise to me but it's one thing that i think that's quite interesting for us to take from this as well and see kind of how how we push that forward as well and um, now just to kind of go back to one of the points max mentioned about dynamic pricing and and everything like that as well and um, obviously we're here uh, at an event organized by advisor where dynamic pricing is possible and you're able to set that up you're able to move with the times you're able to move with the different moves of the market as well and be quite dynamic in in terms of for you guys in working with schools that use advisor and how you use that dynamic pricing element as well. How important is that for you as part of your business operation uh, as agencies as well? I think it's not as important as it should be yet. Um, and uh, at least for us, we don't use it as much. And the, I don't think the, the industry or the, um, the, the clients are still accustomed to it because it has to be something that starts to be used by most of the industry. Um, if we if we set dynamic pricing and the the neighboring competition doesn't uh, it'll be some sometimes we'll, we'll win on it and sometimes we'll lose on it um, so I think as an industry we should get more used to it because it makes sense for for, for yield management anyone else with thoughts like that Pascal Moha mentioned uh, earlier on that, you know, we, we need to work together, schools and agencies, and instead of opposing, opposing each other. I think here we've got a great tool which actually brings us together. I always believed one plus one makes three. I was not good at mathematics at school, but, but I think here we've got a, a great tool that, that helps and facilitates our job. Uh, now, you know, making a quotation uh, thanks to advisor, you know, it, it, it's like fun. Uh, you know, it used, it used to be boring, something you were putting aside. You know, it, it really, uh, for me, it's really a, a great help. Uh, you, you win, you win, you save time. For me, it's having all the prices in the same place. And it's like an Amadeus, <laughs> the, the flying industry already does it, having all the pricings in the same. And also the, the good thing of all getting the prices from the same place, uh, there is no wrongdoings because sometimes you do a, a budget and you do it wrong, you've got the old pricings, and that brings you that brings you trouble because you, when you send something by email, that's a fact. I had a really big issue sending a, when I was starting the business. I sent the wrong budget with a lower amount. My competitors got hold of that budget. Hey, GrowPro is trying to do discounts. When I am totally against that since the beginning, since they won. And and no, please, I got this from here. It was wrong. So it's at the end, it's better better for everybody. I just saw the results of the poll, Ben, and um, I think them just seeing from some messages on the chat, there might have been some confusion because I understand there's lots of um, participants that are agencies. They might have responded um, when, when I believe that question was directed to schools. I don't know. Can, yeah. Could you correct me? I think that has been the case. So apologies for anyone that was confused by that poll. I think we'll uh, maybe part that to the side of some statistics <laughs> that are not particularly useful at the moment as well. Um, what, I'm, I'm just going to address a quick point as well from uh, Isabella Conti, uh, who said, love me or hate me, and I can assure you we absolutely love you, Isabella. Um, but she said that she feels that this panel is a little one-sided and that there should be a school representative here as well. Um, now, I'm just going to explain that the reason that the reason we set this panel up was essentially so that it was one-sided. One of the things that um, we've noticed as we look at different webinars and different events that have been going on over the past sort of 12 months is I certainly felt that there haven't been many where we've had 
agencies just giving their perspective on things as well. Uh, I quite agree we want a balanced opinion on this and we will be looking to have uh, a follow-up panel with, uh, with schools as well and with some school representatives. Um, Isabella, if you'd like to join us, I'm sure we'll, we'll shortlist you for the panel for that as well. Um, but I do think that what we wanted to do today was open up that conversation and start having these conversations in, a, in an open basis as well. Um, so I think that it, it's been really useful from a school's perspective to hear, you know, unabridged some of the thoughts um, and, and, and opinions of the agencies as well. Um, and obviously, uh, we are now going to move into the Q&A section as well. Um, we're overrunning a little bit, so if anyone can, can, can hang around, that's great. Um, but we are open to questions now uh, as well. Um, so if anyone wants to add any questions into the Q&A, um, we'll be delighted to answer them as well. Um, so I'm going to just firstly go with uh, some of the questions we had earlier on. Um, as, as we go here as well, again, people's, this is coming from people's own perspectives and their own opinions on things as well. Um, so, uh, we've got a question here from Keith Zama, and this is quite an interesting one, because I think what we really want to do is also look at, well, what does the, the future hold as well? I think we've all got to the stage of understanding where we are currently at, but what does the future actually hold? Um, and I, I'm going to actually piggyback another question on the back of this as well. But Keith's asked, do you think that the vaccine slash herd immunity is the only solution to getting back to gradu gradually to business? This will not be possible until possibly uh, the end of the year um, at the earliest. And I'm actually going to piggyback a, another question that I have for everyone on this as well, is obviously that's going to be a very important factor. I'm keen to hear your thoughts on that as well. But who do you also think will be the winners when we come out of this in terms of destinations um, of countries and things as well? Where do you think your customers are most likely to be looking at, at, at going, um, whether that be in terms of, of markets or in certainly location within markets as well? Um, I'm going to pass this one firstly to Pascal because we were having a, a discussion about this last week as well. Uh, I just uh, took note of a top three. Uh, for me, the, for language travel, the US will probably uh, experience a comeback since uh, the new president, since the, the election. Ireland, uh, and of course, well, to please you, Ben, Scotland, uh, as alternative to Britain following Brexit. Okay, and then for higher education, probably the Netherlands, uh, thanks to their English taught courses and also the, the prices. Uh, Southern Europe, Italy and Spain for their affordability, cultural experience and climate, and the US, thanks to the new president. Can I, can I add to, I think it's regional. Uh, every country has, I think, their preferences. In, in, in Brazil, we are, as I said in the beginning, we are very affected uh, with the borders closed. So nobody's getting Brazilians at the point. Only one are there. I just talked to someone today. He said they a university, they managed to have one Brazilian student at the campus arriving. So that's ridiculous when they get a lot of students uh, because the borders are closed. The guy managed to go through a, a Latin American country. So it really matter. It really counts uh, what kind of policies the, the country has. Like Canada is a, the number one destination for Brazilians, but the policies are very strict now. So I see a lot of Canadian schools here wait for our students and we are dying to send you Brazilians in the USA. And Australia and New Zealand are the safest ones in terms of, uh, but they are very strict also for Brazilians. So I'm talking 100% on behalf of Brazilians. And I know we have enough Brazilians to send you when the borders open. So we need you to, to, do, to work hard on your, uh, you know, politicians and <laughs> immigration officers. <laughs> Same there. 
for for us, Ben, what we think is like right now in at least in Spain, lots of news like Australia, New Zealand, the perfect example of the COVID. That perfect example has been really, really bad for us, extremely bad because borders totally closed, there's no exception. But people are seeing in the are watching in the news, Australia, New Zealand, well doing, well doing. And each time, look, each time a bad news appear, refunds go up. Each time good news appear, people start to to to, to sell more. So finding that balance in the news, Australia and New Zealand are doing very well. More as an academic destination, I think is Canada. The guys that go to Australia, at least Latin my Latin markets, they want to have fun, they want to surf, and let's go easy in the course. And it's not as as harsh as like, like Brazilians, they say you go to Gold Coast and that's Brazil. I mean, the rest of, from Sao Paulo. Look at the picture behind you. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I think that more academics, Canada, less academics will be also Australia and Australia probably for my, my markets. I think it will depend on quarantine or not quarantine and because we usually have lots of academic uh, students going to Canada last year they couldn't go and this year we'll, we hope so so and they moved to the USA so this year we're having lots of bookings for USA because families know they're going there and like last week or two weeks ago there were lots of news about UK's vaccination here in Spain. They were going so fast. Everything was going so good. So we had bookings for summer for the UK. So it depends on the news on, uh, well, Australia. Everybody sees Australia as the example. So everybody wants to go to Australia. So I think it depends so, so much on the news. And then it depends on quarantine, no quarantine, and, and the conditions the government will, will have. Because in our case, uh, depending on the news, we get bookings to one place or the other. And you say, well, why this week everybody's booking for, to go to the UK in summer where you know if they're, they could go, but as they see they are, are having the vaccine, they book for the UK. I agree with, with Sylvia's point. I think also referencing your other question, Ben, about the future and, and dependency on vaccine vaccinations and stuff. Um, I think it would be more dependent on border openings and, and quarantining and the, this sort of thing that Sylvia's talking about rather than the vaccine, which I hope is the case because of the vaccine, um, at least in Mexico, is, is, isn't planned yet. <laughs> but um, also on the, on the win, big winners and destinations, I think uh, we were talking about say, with Goico earlier in the week, and it's somewhere also that people are looking to emigrate. I think that those countries might be big winners, countries where you can easily emigrate, countries obviously which um, are safe uh, with COVID is, uh, I mean, something logical. Um, also, something that is is starting to come up in 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 the industry as a whole is is traveling with your laptop, right? Traveling and being digital nomads and working from wherever. So I think countries with the same time zone or easily accessible for work that could also start to be um, uh, an interest. And also countries um, which are, have a better quality of higher education, as we all know, higher education is definitely. Um, increasing in, in numbers and importance in the industry. And I think countries that offer higher education, be able to emigrate, be able to work there, have a relationship with your, with your, with your family at home, et cetera, those countries, uh, destinations will, 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 in my perspective, see a boom. Very interesting, very interesting points of view. Um, <clears throat> so uh, we've had a couple of questions from uh, Theo Theodoru, who I'd also like to thank for being so active on the chat as well. He's been very engaged in the uh, discussion. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of going to join his question with one from, from Yana, 
um, who sent a, a question in the chat box as well. Um, now, Theo's question is, if a student chooses a school or university which you do not you do not currently represent, do you still help them to join that institution? Um, and I'm kind of going to piggyback that on, on with Yana's question, which is, would you send students to a small accredited school or do you prefer to send school to big schools with many locations as well? So it's kind of a, a two-parter here. But in terms of, of your approach, if you don't yet work with a, a, an institution and the student comes and says, I want to go there, would you normally try and connect them with that institution or would you try and normally send them to one that you're maybe a, a, a partner of instead? For me, no. last, last time yesterday, I sent two students to a university in Spain for free. No money. Of course, I don't do all the paperwork. I send them to the school. Hey, here you've got this student. He's a friend of mine. Take care of him. You do the process. I don't invest all my team, but I put them through. I do. Yesterday was the second time in one week and a half. Sorry, Silvia, you can... No, no, don't worry. In the case of, of if they come asking for a school we don't work with, uh, we try to convince them with to go to, to a school we're partners with. Because if we want to offer what we sell and what we promote, they should go to our, our schools. It, it doesn't mean we don't try new partners. If we may meet someone, we don't uh, decide if we choose a school because it's big or small. We just decide because we like the school, we like the director. It depends on, because we work with big schools and small schools, it depends. But if I don't like the school they are asking for, or I don't know it, I won't, I, I would say no. In the case of higher education, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mara. Uh, in the case of higher education, sometimes uh, they want to go to a university that you don't have a partnership with because there are so many universities, but uh, they trust uh, your advice. So we, we, we send the paperwork, we help, we, you know, and then we charge for an advice fee and the family is aware of that because they want us to help them play. I had a student like he, uh, he went to University of Michigan and they don't work with agents, but the boy wanted to study there and he, he had the, the, the qualification for that. And, and that's how it worked. Uh, you know, the family wanted, we did, we, we said, no, you do this, this and that. And they needed someone to do that, to organize the processes. And that's what, uh, for, for some products, like language schools are easier to do things direct. Uh, but they're more complicated programs where you have to explain this and that, you know, this is included, this is not, now you have to do this and, it, and you need this type of visa and so on. They need someone to talk to. If we don't have a partnership that they don't give to us, we just do the, the process till uh, the yeah. paper is within that institution. Yeah, I, just quickly, I, I believe we should focus on, on the quality of the experience and the service that we're offering. So that usually is the case with the partners that we're already working with. Um, but also giving a service, if the client or the student is insistent that they want to go to an, a, a school that you don't work with, then offering the service is important. I think uh, platforms like Advisor will also facilitate that to connect with schools that you don't work with, against referencing Advisor. But I think um, this sort of connections will be easier with uh, technology. Um, but today it's, it's all about the service you can, that you can offer. I, I want to add one thing about advisor, Ben, that I think it's nice that you have started is that you can have the agreement signed with mm -hmm. the school. 
you know, if you don't have, even if you have a, an agreement, you have again to advise it. So I think it's something that you're going forward in having, you know, the parts uh, working closely together. I think it's it's a nice yeah. feature from advisor. I think that, that was obviously going to be something I, I popped in and said here as well, that if you, you know, if you get requested for a, a partner that you don't currently work with, have a search and advisor and see if you can find them on there and connect with them. Um, another kind of thing to mention here is that actually some very exciting news in the, in the short term future. We're also looking at a two way communication tool through the platform, uh, not just through an application. So, for example, when you send a connection request, you'll actually be able to start creating that business to business connection through Advisor as well and having those conversations directly with the schools as well, which I think will make a, a big difference for those such of situations where this uh, crops up as well. Um, now, I'm, I'm, go I'm not going to go, unfortunately, we're not going to have time to go through everyone's questions, so I am trying to somewhat uh, copy and paste some of them together as well. But it's quite interesting, a, a couple of times that have come up in the Q&A, um, uh, the, the topic of online programmes um, has come up as well. Um, now, obviously, certainly last year, um, a lot of schools suddenly shifted their focus into de online delivery um, and have been doing a, a, a really good job and, and working really hard to try and maintain as best quality of they can through their online delivery as well. Um, but for you as partners, um, the, the questions that have come in, two or three, um, one of them has been, do you, how much do you sell online? Um, and how much do you think blended courses will be part of the future in terms of what, of, of what students uh, end up experiencing and, and getting in the end as well? Um, and do you find that they only work on a short-term basis or can you see this being part of the ongoing future of the industry for schools as well? For us, very quick, we won't sell online courses because we focus our, our, our DNA, it's the experience once they arrive to a different country, new culture. And for us, the online is not on top of the table for, for now. In Spain, it's quite difficult to sell those online courses because we have uh, language academies where they go every day, with English teachers, Irish teachers, so they can get that. So most of our clients, they want to travel, they want to know the culture, they want to, to, to see. So it's really difficult. Maybe we, we sell some online courses for adults or young adults because they want an intensive course or, well, because we know some our partners, they are doing it and we try to send them some students. But here in Spain, uh, it's so difficult because and we had, well, during the lockdown, our students were doing online classes and they got so tired of that, they hate it. So, and, and the prices are very high for us because our students pay for going to a language school like 70 years a month. So. Yeah. The same here, we, it's very hard to sell the online programs because Brazilians are very much into having the experience. We are so far away from everyone that they are expecting to go abroad. What I think it works is like you start doing the online, like the Canada is uh, allowing the students to start their, you know, pathway or online and then uh, continue the, the, the rest of the program uh, um, when they are in Canada. So if, if, you're, if it is beneficial, considering the visa you get, I think it's something that you can suggest, but not as an option, okay, I, just do this. Uh, it's at least for me, as Silvia and, and Goiko said, it's not easy to sell uh, for my type of client. And, Ma and Maurad, you agree, you agree with me? When someone goes to study English abroad, okay, the English part and the, and the school is extremely important. 
but the experience of working there, traveling, getting to know different people, it opens yeah. your mind. I really believe in what we do, I promise. And I think we help people. I love my job and I work up every morning thinking I really help people become better. And, and, and for me, that's, that's, that's key. I mean, I, I'm not selling pencils. I, I love what I do and I think we help people. So traveling is part of the, of the real deal. I agree, and uh, I think it's interesting to hear that everybody is is uh, on the same page. But I, I think um, everything, the industry as a whole, all industries are becoming more digital and more online. I think events are going to turn online. Um, as Sylvia was saying, the um, physical agencies are going to start to disappear or, or reduce themselves. I think the experience in itself um, is is uh, the experience has to be offline if, if you want to live it, but also the education could be online. And we're at Mundajoen, we're not close to the online um, courses. I think it'll be uh, one of the options that we offer. I think online courses in education has to be, um, has to start. I have friends myself that don't really think about um, start, starting a master's degree or an MBA anymore because there's courses online that could supply that same education. I agree with Goiko that we'd be lacking the whole um, experience of the 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 destination and the um, living through the, the human touch and everything. But I think the education as a whole could uh, be given through online courses. And, and I don't see why we shouldn't offer that to yeah. the student. Yeah, the student part of it is a hybrid program. You, you do part of it online and then you, have, you finish, yeah. you conclude. I agree with academics, it is possible because we, uh, one of our programs is uh, American high school and Spanish, well, Spanish, Italian, any student can study American high school while they are studying in their, their home country. And it's becoming very, very popular because now we're used to doing online courses. Kids are used to studying online, but it is with academic, uh, with those experiences, I always used to tell our, our clients that it's not only going to school, it's the whole experience. So I will distinguish between academics and, and then trips abroad because you cannot bring them to your, to your living room. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Pablo Jorquera uh, in, in, the, in the chat box has actually put a very interesting point as well, which I think is one of the things for a lot of schools that is actually a big attraction with online programs as well, is that it obviously opens, you know, those programs up maybe to schools who aren't, uh, to students who aren't able or afford to, uh, can afford to travel as well. So I think there is a, a, an element of that as well. Um, and I think just to, to highlight again, um, as with all our panels, unfortunately, we can't have everyone represented. We try to get as broad a demographic as possible, but there will be agencies who do focus specifically on online programs as well um, and who, who sort of do that as well. So there are a huge variety of different agencies, as there is in general, you know, in terms of people looking at different markets, different types of programs, whether it be high school, higher ed, English language as well. Um, and I think that that's, it's really useful to get your guys' feedback on that at the moment as well. Um, but obviously there are a, are a huge number of agencies out there that, that, that are very diverse in how they work as well. Um, and a lot of them you can find on Advisor. So please do feel free to go and use the agent discovery tool if you're a school. And likewise, if you're an agency, we have the school discovery tool where you can obviously connect and, and find new school partners as well, based around the world as well. Um, I am going to have to unfortunately wind the conversation up now as well. This has been a hugely, um, you know, fantastic event. I'd really like to thank um, Sylvia, Pascal, Maura, Max, and Goiko for their participation today. It's been hugely useful. Thank you to all our attendees. 
Um, this was definitely our most popular, uh, popularly uh, held event, certainly in terms of sign-ups. Um, and I'd also like to give a massive thanks again once more to Queen's University School of English, um, which is again based in Kingston, Ontario, for their sponsorship of this event. Um, as always, connect with your partners, quote through advisor, and we wish you all the very best for the coming year. Um, thank you again to our panellists, and we'll be back soon with another Advisor Industry Leaders panel. That's all. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Best Thank you, Ben. It was a great pleasure. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks. See you soon, somewhere. See you in soon. Costa Rica. In Costa Rica. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Ben. No problem. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Cheers, bye bye, Sylvia. Nice meeting you. Bye, bye. Sylvia. Bye, Mara. Bye bye.